Check one, check one, two, three. Hey everybody, it's Michael Helms, also known as Michael the Sound Guy, and this is the Location Sound Podcast. You know, each episode we talk with location sound mixers, boom ops, and other industry pros about the various aspects of recording sound on location, whether it's for feature and independent films, TV commercials, interviews, any time where dialogue from actors is recorded. I started my career in the recording studios in New York City with some of the big artists back in the day, and later on projects for networks like HBO, Sci-Fi Channel, and the Cartoon Network. As time went by, I got out of the studio and began working in production sound. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, thanks for joining us. All right, my guest today is a production sound mixer and boom operator from Connecticut who's worked on features, short films, commercials, and music videos. Please welcome Jack Bradley. Hey, what's up, Michael? Thank you for having me on the show, man. Hey, glad you can be here. Now, Jack, you know, we always like to start the show. If you've been listening, we always ask, what's in your audio kit? So tell us about your mics, your mixer, power distribution, and everything in between. Cool. So uh, my current kit right at the moment is uh, I'm rocking a Sound Devices MixPre 10T with Sony UWP D11 lavs with Sankin Cos 11 mics. I also have a Rode Link that I bought earlier on and I was using it as a lot for a little while, but I, I actually, I was going to sell it, but now I use it as a camera hop, um, which works pretty great. I have a Sennheiser MKH416 boom, two tentacle sync boxes. And um, for a bag, I got a, a KTEX Stingray headphones at the moment. I have uh, the Audio-Technica M40Xs, uh, KTEC boom pole and yeah, and I have uh, MP1 batteries to power my kit. All right, let's jump in and uh, talk a little bit about some of the projects you worked on. I, in a few years back, you worked as a sound mixer on She Came From the Woods. So tell me a little bit about that. That was a uh, short film I worked on with this uh, awesome director named Eric Bloomquist, who's also based out of Connecticut. It was a really cool short. It was a two-day shoot. And it was a very low production, but the quality of it came out awesome. And the story behind it is is real fun. It's like a, a horror, it's like a little horror thriller mixed with like the cliche um, back in the day uh, tale involving like you know kids going out uh, at a summer camp or something, and then there's there's a, a entity in the woods that's uh, stalking them and taking them down one by one, and so. This is a really cool short to work on because it was mostly all outdoors at overnights. I was rocking at the time uh, three lobs and a boom, and there was more. There was probably like five talent most shots, so I really had to be picky about where I was putting lobs for each shot. And so I was working with the the DP on it, Thompson. I was working close with him about what he, what he was seeing for each shot, how long each shot was going, so I could um, you know figure out how to use my lobs to the best of their ability, as well as, you know, booming and to see where I could throw in the boom where I couldn't throw in lobs. But uh, that actually, a trailer, there's a trailer up for that on YouTube now, and it's been doing really well at film festivals. It's gotten a bunch of awards, and I'm really stoked about it because the sound came out great. I was watching the trailer, and it was pretty good. Makes you want to watch it. So, good stuff. Yeah. It was fun, man. It was very fun. 
Was there anything that, that you learned on set or anything really challenging that you kind of had to figure out dealing with you had only a few uh, live mics? Yeah, that was that was the biggest thing um, was basically handling, kind of prioritizing who has the most lines and what shots. Gosh, this was like, what was it, like a year or two back that we did this. So um, I was still a little bit green. Um, not to say I'm not as green now, but I'd like to think I gotten a little, I've gotten a little better. Uh, one one of the things that stood out was there was a scene where this guy ran into, he takes his shirt off, runs into the water, and um, he's out in the middle of this lake. And I had to get, you know, him screaming from out in the water to someone on shore, which was where camera was. And there was a little dock that went out that was just out of frame. So I would go to the end of the dock and um, luckily, you know, his voice carried along the water so well. And so it actually came out really great. And, you know, eventually he goes under the water and pops out covered in leeches and dies. And, you know, his scream traveled really well and it sounded great. You had worked on something recently called Delivery Girl. Tell us a little bit about that. I just heard today that that movie, um, so it's still being worked on and everything, but I just found out today and they released it today publicly. So I can say this is that it's uh, premiering at Sundance which is real cool. And it's going to be premiering under the um, short series. That was a fun shoot. That was out in Rhode Island, actually. It was a three-day shoot and it was an interesting shoot too because it was very rushed. We were just knocking out shots and um, switching to a bunch of locations. And um, we did a lot of car scenes and then we'd go and do a lot of um, you know, exterior night scenes. It was, it was really fast paced, but it kept you on your toes and it was a great crew to work with. I'm, I'm really excited to see. I haven't, so I haven't seen it yet. I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, I'm very excited to see how it came out. All right. And also I was looking at the point you were sound mixer on that. Yeah, the point that was, so that was uh, one back in the day. And this is back when I had a zoom F8, which was the first recorder I went and actually bought to start off with. That was down in Connecticut near Norwalk, and that was a fun shoot because that was so that was like a week long shoot, and it's something that they're I think they're trying to pitch it to uh, places to see if they can get a either a series or like a movie out of it. And um, it was the great thing about it was um, everyone was so passionate on that shoot, and it, it was kind of, it was such a fun shoot to work on because it was kind of like a mix of like if you've ever seen like Super Bad and Dazed and Confused. It was like that kind of vibes. That's how the whole thing was. And um, everyone on it, there were, I don't think there was, I actually don't think there was anyone older than the age of 30 on that or 35 on that. It was a lot of young people working on that. And um, it wasn't a hugely budgeted thing, but um, we were able to knock out a lot of really cool stuff with um, our shots and locations. These guys were able to get some real cool locations on the beach and everything and um, at this private golf course. And there was a lot of cool stuff that they did. And I actually watched a rough, a rough version of it recently. And I, I thought it was coming out great. They're still working on it too. And you know, it's kind of been a while. So <laughs> I'd love to hear it. It was at the beach and it's about lifeguards and things like that. Did you have any kind of water challenges when it came to miking up people? I don't actually think anyone went in the water <laughs> as funny as that sounds i think there was one point where someone walked into the water at the end of at the end of a scene but that was it most of it um was you know 
all the lifeguards huddled together talking about what they're going to do for the day, who's going to get drunk where, whatever, all this great stuff. But the thing about it, though, was there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of scenes with a lot of people in it talking. And that's one of those moments, again, where I had to um, – because I didn't have a lot of lobs back at this point either. And so there's a lot of prioritizing for the scenes and working with the director of photography to see what he's seeing, how long his shot's going to last and everything. And um, a lot of it is just, you know, working with what you got and trying to be uh, strategic about it. You know, we, we were working long days just, just to get that stuff done, but everyone was so about it. They are so passionate about it, and everyone got along, and I still keep in contact with a lot of those guys today. Nice. So uh, I also saw on your website you had some Lego commercials that you had worked on, and what was that experience like compared to, you know, say some of your short films? I've only done a few with them, but that was more of like a, a reality show. It was this show called Rubriculous. And I hopped on for just a few a few of those, and um, basically it was mostly like three three main talent, and then they'd they'd have like guests on a lot of times. But you never being on that set, you'd never know what's going to happen. Like they're always doing something crazy and new, and it could range from them knocking down thousands of dominoes to them exploding a, a volcano made of Legos, but inside of it is some some <laughs> goop that they made up to they're dropping eggs off a forklift with enclosures made of Legos to see which one protects the egg the best. And actually, it's funny. Um, I think I contacted you before about a question to ask, and that uh, it was about being one sound mixer with two different groups of people talking at once and what to do with the main mix on that and everything. And that was actually what sparked this production is what sparked that question because they would have their main talent walk off with different guests in different directions. And it was very fast paced. So it was, you know, you had to figure out something quick. And so um, for me with that, I, I relied heavily on the ISOs uh, so that they could have them. I had everyone lobbed up. But um, the and I was using the main mix mostly to uh, to monitor all of it. And you know, afterwards, I talked to them and let them know the main mix probably won't be you know <laughs> useful since everyone is in it. But all the ISOs are clean and good and ready to go. But that was fun working with those guys. Now uh, you're also a cinematographer, and you've shot multiple short films and commercials and music videos. So how has that made you a better location sound mixer? A lot of that, I was a part of a production company, uh, I, which I uh, recently, not recently, but a little while back, I decided to uh, go my own way and continue with sound recording. But I was doing a lot of cinematography with this uh, production company called Pathological Films, which was great. And we did a lot. We shot a lot of uh, short films and did a lot of uh, videos for um like uh, Beardsley Zoo and other places uh, around Connecticut that came out great. A lot of the short films I did uh, with them was fun because this was actually when, you know, I was doing, I've been doing sound for a few years and I was at a point where I was like, you know what, like I do this as a job normally. I want to try something different for this, for uh, just to be creative, just to try it out to see. And um, uh, that's when we shot Men's Room and that was actually part of a, uh, well, that was that was before Pathological Films, and then after that sparked Pathological Films, and 
um, a bunch of other shorts that we worked on and all the the commercial gigs. But um, Men's Room is what kind of sparked the cinematography aspect, um, which I don't do as much of anymore. It's mostly on the side for fun. But um, yeah, Men's Room was pretty cool because it won a few uh, college Emmys because I was back in uh, with school. It did pretty good at some festivals and everything. But. Did it change your view on how you recorded sound when you were actually looking at it from a different perspective? So I'll give you an example for like men's room. I had a friend of mine take over sound because I, I wanted to try the cinematography and I think he was, he was very green. He was very new to it. And I was able to kind of uh, think about my shots with him in mind to make sure because, you know, we're all in a team. We're all trying to get the best quality of everything that we can. And I didn't want to set up a shot that I knew would be impossible for him to either get a boom in there or to, you know, if it's a, a running downhill scene where it's going to be hard to get the lobs clean and get the boom to avoid, um, you know, a lot of the lighting we had set up. And so really it, it kind of helped me realize from the other side what, you know, a cinematographer is going to be thinking about. And I guess how I could work with them to address problems and, it, it gave me a, a sort of respect for them as well and a little bit of respect for myself that, you know, we're both working with two different things and it's really just best to work together and communication is key. That's good. You know, some people, that they only do one thing. And I think when you wear the shoes of, you know, someone else on the crew kind of a thing, you, you really get a better perspective for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I try not to do too many things. I, I mostly do cinematography as a passion, and then sound mixing is uh, is uh, my career. And but um, when you know when you dip your fingers in a bunch of different jobs, like I, I've gripped before, I've uh, been a production assistant. I've I've done a lot of it here and there, and it really gives you a sense of how everything works together and how you can just not only think about yourself while you're doing the job, but think about how what you want or what you're trying to do will affect others. That's true. Out of all the features and projects you've worked on, what was the most interesting so far? I mean, the point was really cool when I was talking about, um, cause that was the one set I was on where there was, everyone was super young and everyone knew what they were doing though, which is great. Like, we were getting a lot of work done, but everyone was still um, still super young. So it was a real cool because I've been I'm so used to being on set with with uh, people who are, you know, twice my age. And it's I love that. And then being on a set like with a bunch of, um, you know, 20s and early 30s uh, people, it's real cool. But another cool film that I worked on was Tree Rock Cloud. And that was directed by Karen Allen. And it was Indiana Jones's girlfriend in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And she she was a really awesome director. She knew what she wanted. She communicated with the crew super well. And she was just really great to work with. And she, the, one of the craziest things that was, I've never seen anyone do this. She, I swear, there was so many people on set and she knew everyone's name. She could walk up to anyone. The, like, the second day I was on, she could walk up to anyone and say each of their full names just right like that. And, <laughs> you know, being on set with 40 people, learning everyone's name, you know, sometimes it's a little tedious, but she, it was crazy how well she had that down. It just really made you feel like appreciated, you know? And so that was a really great set to be on. And I was a boom op on that, actually. I was working with my buddy, Aaron, who was mixing that. And that was a real great set. That was shot up in uh, Massachusetts. Okay. 
Now we always have to ask, what was your worst on-set experience? I was on a shoot up in Boston. It was a web series. And it was a real low-budget web series. It was shooting for like a week straight. And I remember the first day I almost walked because we were shooting at this art gallery. And we had a bunch of extras. It was supposed to be some action scene going on with some mobsters. And there was supposed to be a ton of talent, um, extras walking through and looking at all the art, just being there. And we get there. Most of the talent are late, like real late, like three hours late. So we had, you know, during that time, we're setting up lighting and everything and just, just ready to go as soon as they get there. Then all the extras are late. And that day ended up turning into a 19-hour day, which is why I almost walked because I, you know, that's kind of ridiculous, you know. And the director, I, I think I caught him drinking as well on set at some point. I don't know. I'm not mentioning anyone's name, but it's just th things like that where you see and you're just like, you know, this could involve the safety of crew and everything. And it makes you just have to, you know, we had a talk and um, I ended up continuing on to that, you know, with that web series um, because we kind of drilled it into their head, the producer and director's head that, you know, this isn't going to fly. And um, it ended up going pretty smoothly from there with some hiccups, but that was a real bad day. <laughs> you just don't do that. It's a, it's a working environment. Everyone's working their stuff that, you know, you need to be on point or else, you know, you know you're going to have 19 hour days and that's not cool for anyone. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, you know, we always like to be prepared, but have you ever forgotten any gear when you're on your way to a, a gig? Actually on a tree rock cloud with Karen Allen, my first day on what uh, I had to come actually a day late because of some other conflicting event but my and then the second day which was my first day on my first day of shooting we get there in the morning and um, i was a boom op on this and i i'm setting up all the stuff i need to for boom op for boom opping and i'm setting up my whole all my gear and we actually the first shot first scene we had to travel a few miles down into the woods like on this dirt road just way far away from base camp and uh, just to get this one scene of like someone walking away down this road and we needed to get um you know the footsteps and everything and so i got everything together and i realized i forgot one xlr that was you know the key xlr <laughs> to go from me to the mixer and we had no backup and we get there and we, you know, we, I had to go up to, um, the AD and be like, we can't record sound right now. And so we ended up shooting the scene and going, uh, me and the mixer actually went back later and did folly noise for it. We recorded someone walking away and did a whole bunch of variations for it so that they could use it to match it up and post. This was really hard the first day on. It was just kind of one of those kicks in the butt. And it was just like, now I just got to keep going up from here. <laughs> but that, that was a very bad day. But other than that, you know, it's been like small things, expendables, batteries, definitely. It's, it's happened every now and then. We'll have to just, you know, run to the store real quick. But n never anything serious besides that one time. And that, that I tell you, that one time really made me just triple check everything always. Hey, 
we we all have these crazy experiences, so we're not alone. Yeah, so it makes me feel better listening to this and know it's it's happened to other people. <laughs> yes. Or speaking of expendables, uh, what are some that you like to use? So with my Cos 11s, I use the RM 11s on them, and um, I really have been using Top Stick a lot. I've been using a lot of that Hush Lobs as well. I don't have a, a whole ton of expendables in my kit, but those two have been awesome. I mean, I always have gaff tape on me. <laughs> but um, yeah, the Topstick and um, Hush Lobs have been working great, and also Moleskin every now and then. Um, I haven't had a, a little bit of that in a while, but that stuff is great um, for if, you know, if, if I don't have an ARM 11, I can just make a little Moleskin thing to put around the mic, and it works great. Now, uh, do you have any freelance tips that you can share? You know, there's a lot of people that have been in the game longer than me. And especially on the show, there's a lot of people that have been in the game. You know, I've been I've been doing it for about close to five years now. And that is, you know, not full time completely. But for me, it's just the, the networking. You never know where or when a job is going to come. You know, I, I've been on set before where I've talked to a production assistant and it was a it was a pretty big budgeted set, and then the production system on that was doing his own thing with his own company, who ended up getting me another job, which led to meeting more people, connecting to more people, and just getting more work. Okay. Now, do you use any kind of services like Production Hub or Mandy or Staff Me Up or anything like that? So actually, that's funny. I um just tried out Production Hub uh, a few days ago, and I've just been checking it out a little bit. I did the free trial. I have been using Staff Me Up a little bit. I do have a Mandy account, and they love to send you like 30 emails a day, but I, I haven't really pursued anything in that really. But um, a lot of it has just been word of mouth, connecting with people on uh, previous sets, and then you know, someone who knows someone mention your name to someone, and then they end up sending you an email. And it's it's so funny how how many people know each other and people that you would never expect to know each other. Uh, yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. I've, you know, I, I judged uh, one of the 48 hour film festivals and I, I met a couple people there and later on that turned into, you know, opportunities down the road. And I, I never would have thought some of those people would have contacted me, but, but yeah, it's amazing. Just, yeah. Just getting out there, networking, talking with people. Yeah, actually, um, 48-Hour Film Festival, that is a great place. I've done um, five of those, actually, between New Haven and Rhode Island. And um, a lot of them, uh, the same people, I've worked with a lot of the same people on both of them and also a lot of new people on both of them. And that, I swear, if you're if you're trying to, if you're new, trying to get into the game with any aspects of sound or anything in film, 48-Hour Film Festivals, if you can find them, those are great networking events just to find people that will help you get your foot in the door. And they're fun. <laughs> now, uh, if some of our listeners wanted to get into location sound, what would you recommend they do? So for me, with getting into location sound, really my biggest thing for to, uh, to say to anyone else would be, to, you know, find a mentor, find a, a sound mixer and ask them to mentor you and see if you can come on as either a production assistant or a utility or even a boom op. And, you know, those are always people that mixers are always looking for. And I don't know any mixer that would deny talking to you about sound. 
and a lot of a lot of guys are very very open to talking about it and would definitely allow you to get your foot in the door they could bring you onto a production they could show you their gear whatever you know buy buy a guy a coffee and just talk to him about sound or if you actually i was in new york once and um i wasn't doing anything business related at all i was just walking around and i saw an nbc shoot going on and so it was a pretty big shoot there was a lot of extras and i kind of snuck in snuck through all the extras and I found the sound guy, the sound mixer, and I went up to him. I started talking to him. He's a really chill guy. I started talking to him and his boom operator just about what was going on in their kit. He had a cart set up and and I was talking for, with them for like 30 minutes while they were setting up a shot. And I remember uh, I was walking around right after that and the AD found me. And the AD gave me this horrible look like, what are you doing on my set? And it was just like, get this man off my set. <laughs> And I eventually just booked it on out of there. But I was and within that time, you know, I got the guy's uh, social media info and everything. And it was, you know, it was really cool. Just just wander on set and find him. Nice. Now, uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Um, so for me, I'm all I'm all over social media, Facebook, um, Jack Bradley. Uh, my legal name is John Bradley. But you can find me on social media as Jack Bradley. Instagram uh, at JCK Brad Sound on my web my website too BradleySound.com. You can find my email and everything too. And you know, feel free to reach out and talk. I love talking about sound with anyone. Well, Jack Bradley, thanks for being on the show today. And if you guys are in uh, Connecticut area, look them up. Cool. Thank you, Michael. And a big thanks to all of our listeners out there. If you'd like us to discuss a particular topic, please send us an email at locationsoundpodcast at gmail.com. We would love for you to subscribe and leave us a comment. We're available on Apple Podcasts, and for Android users, check out Google Podcasts. Also, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, remember, sound is half the picture.